minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Thank you for making us a part of your Tuesday afternoon and welcome in to the Mass and All Access podcast from the Mass and Newsroom. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thanks again for tuning in. If not watching live, hopefully you're catching us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud. Enjoying us throughout the course of the week. We are in the second to last week of the regular season. Our second to last pod, Amy, uh, before we start doing some off-season work. That's kind of hard to believe. Right? I kind of put this on. I felt like I was wearing like clouds. It's the last day of summer. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't so even know so. That's when you know you're getting close to the end of baseball season. I think playoffs are going to be especially fun this year, but I'm not ready for baseball season to be over yeah I, I enjoy i enjoy the ability just to watch even when i'm not working just to watch any game on any given night right. on the tv um you know especially like, the nationals a local team even if i'm not covering the game can at least enjoy it's something to do every single night i actually just realized i haven't been to a nats park as a fan yet this season this might be the first season with fans allowed in that i have not been to nationals park as a fan Probably since I've started working at Madison. Wow. Probably since like 2011. That's crazy. That and is crazy. you're living in DC now. I know. I have. I guess. I guess there's one more opportunity. They play three more games against the Red Sox. That Friday night, though, is for us the Maryland Iowa game. Oh right. And then I'm working that Saturday game, and so my only option would be the series, the season finale. Well, th- go out with the bag, Bob. On Sunday against the Red be Sox there. on October third. <laughs> Get but your I, ticket now. But I've been there a couple of times, obviously, covering the game um, for Mark on the on the website or doing some social, but I haven't yet to just sit in the stands and enjoy the game as a fan. I just realized that the other week, I and that, to, that's crazy. Yeah, I went to one game. It was a, the Dodgers series, uh, but that was it. I did see them play at Camden Yards against the Orioles, so I went mm-hmm. for a Battle of the Beltway uh, game Battle in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I have not sat at Nationals Park as a fan. I, I, I went to a concert. At Bobby, Nationals that Park? That doesn't, doesn't count. count. Okay, so I was a fan there, but I'm not a baseball what fan. What concert was it? It was the Hella Mega Tour. It was Green oh, Day and Weezer, yeah, and Fall yeah. Out Boy had to uh, had to bow out because of COVID issues. So I went as a as a fan, just not a baseball fan. Yeah. Uh, once well, you this have one season. more chance. One more chance. One more game. Um, yeah. So the penultimate week to the season, Nationals only have 12 games left on the regular season schedule. Um, we're going to be looking at, with the season winding down, I mean, what an exciting batting title race we have in the National League East between Juan Soto and former teammates Trey Turner and Bryce Harper. We're going to be breaking down that as kind of the meat of the order. And then uh, we'll wrap up talking about Alex Avila, who announced his retirement over the weekend at the end of the season, kind of looking back on his uh, really strong major league career and, and what he's meant to the Nationals this season and his future in baseball. But, Amy, we have to start with what happened Monday night in the 10th inning in Miami. It happened again. This terrible rule has bitten the Nationals in the butt. Um, The third time that I can remember, second time this season, it happened earlier in Chicago with Davey Martinez throwing a tantrum and getting ejected. He threw the first base. Um, (laughs) Of course, it happened in Game 6 of the World Series with Trey Turner. Now, again, down in Miami in a tie ball game in extra innings, uh, rule 5.09A11, interference call at first base between Josh Bell. I 
I mean, Davey Martinez, we'll hear from him in just a bit, but of course was beside himself, not only in the dugout, but after the game. Um, I, I'm just getting really sick of this. It, it, it's just, this rule is, is so bad, and it seems like it's only the Nationals that get right. bit by it. Is it just me? Am I the only one? Or am I not paying enough attention to the rest of the league where I feel like this rule only applies to the Nationals and it's the, they're the only ones that get affected by it? Well, I mean, this, I mean, you just saw it there. It's like him running out of the running lane, it was irrelevant. You see it there. He's on first base by the time that the ball gets there. Um, but here's the thing is if you run where you're supposed to, they wouldn't have this issue. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Well, I mean, all right. Well, so let's set the scene real quick. For those of you who aren't watching uh, and maybe missed the game, uh, top of the 10th, tie game 7-7, bases loaded, one out, Josh Bell steps up to the plate, batting right-handed, and chopper to first base, first baseman throws home, which we'll get to that part in a second, (laughs) and then the catcher throws back to first place looking for a 3-2-3 double play to get out of the inning, and... The ball hits Josh first Bell, ball. who has already touched first base, hits him square in the back, and he knocks the first baseman's glove off while he's trying to reach, and he's called out for interference, completing the double play. I, I, and, 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 of course, the Nationals go on to lose the game. We'll talk about other aspects of the game that happened. But, I mean, just to me, you mentioned if he's running where he's supposed to, it's not an issue. FP Santangelo and him and Bob and Dan Colco did a great job last night after the game, breaking it all down. They made really good points even during the game mm-hmm. that I'm going to repeat because they did a really good job breaking the situation down. So it's I'm not breaking any new barriers here. But FP made a good point. You know, when you're batting right-handed, your momentum brings you into the field of play when you make a swing, naturally, as you go to first base. That's just how gravity works. That's how momentum works. It's up to you as the runner to correct yourself and get back to first place. That's what we saw with Trey Turner. That's what we saw with Josh Bell. Okay, so he was batting left-handed, actually. Um, But either way, your momentum naturally brings your body into the field of play, and it's up to the runner to correct himself. Now, was Josh Bell in the field of play throughout the majority of him running down the line? Yes. Yes. Did he correct himself and get to first base before the throw got there? Yes. Both can be true. And so I just don't see how you can penalize him for doing the best that he can do according to the rule by getting to the bag and beating the throw there. So then in the umpire's official ruling or explanation rather, I guess, is that he hindered the first baseman being able to stretch for the catch, um, I think is what the official explanation was. They're going to explain it and they're going to justify it and, you know, that's that's how they're going to justify it. Whether you know it's a judgment call, you know that's their only choice. They're going to you know find a way to make it seem like that call was the right call. It just he he beat the ball there. Yeah. Where he was running had no influence on that throw. Yeah. So how how is it interference? Yeah. Well, let's before we break it down even further, let's hear from Davey Martinez himself because of course he was. In the dugout, he actually ended up getting ejected. He has a cast on his foot after a foot procedure, so he wasn't able to go out on the field and argue, but he argued from the railing, as you saw. Um, so he, of course, spoke to the media after after the word. So let's hear from Davey. It's kind of a lengthy feature, but uh, let's give Davey his due and give him some time to explain himself. Rightfully so, very angry. Here's Davey Martinez after that atrocious call last night. That play to me, I'm going to say it's a cluster, right? It's a, ju- it's a judgment. They say it's a judgment. 
He ran inside. By the time he touched, when he touched the base, the ball hit him in the back. He was already on the base. It's a judgment at that point. I get it. if the ball hits him inside the line, that's, you know, and he's still running. Yeah, great. But come on, guys. Use your freaking common sense. One time. It's a brutal, it's a brutal, brutal freaking uh, play. It really is. I mean, it's, 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 it's horrible. Do you feel that, do you feel that because they maybe saw him going inside the line, that's why they, my well, that's exactly, let the play, let the play finish. It's a judgment, right? right? Yeah. Don't, don't start calling him. And the guy hasn't even thrown the ball. You know, the ball, he's running, the guy's got the ball in his hand. And he, when he touches the base, he gets in the back. And they call him out. And Davey, I know you guys, um, I know it's fresh right now, but because it's happened a few times to you, do you, is there anything you can raise this with? Like, do you expect to try and talk about the league with this play at all since it does hope, keep happening? You know, I hope they, I hope they, they, they can re, they consider changing, changing it. I mean, really, honestly, honestly, it's, it's, it, to me, it's, it's brutal. You know what? They want to make, they want to keep doing that. Put the base on the other side of the line. Cause, cause it, it, here's the deal. If he ran on the other side of the line, and the ball hit him in the back. Is he out or safe? It's still, it's the ball still hit him. Right. Right? So what does that say? If he ran on the other side of the line and had to get the base, and the guy hit him in the back, he touched the base. What are you going to call? Right. Thank you. All right. Camerado, only com. DB, I guess. Hey, hold on. Just so you know, that wasn't, that wasn't all of it. We were trying. We were trying to get 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 a. Uh, we were trying to get him to, re, to to do a review, and and Doug Eddings said he's gonna. They're gonna review the play at home. They thought I want to review the play at first. He says there's no review. We want to review the play at home. We thought the catcher didn't step on the base when he caught the ball. Doug said he was gonna allow it. Freaking Miller comes over and says nope, too late. Just like the last play, we want to review that one to see if see if Brinza got hit. He was already off the field. That wasn't 20 seconds. Right? If, if, if he doesn't want to be on the field, then go home. Yeah. And these guys are playing their butts off. Go home. If you don't want to be on the field, do your job. Go home. You you guys did linger on the field after the game. Was that to ask about Brinson? Yeah. Bo- Bogey was, was trying to get him to challenge, you know, to, to review it. Nothing. Thank you. All right. And Jessica Camerano, OMB.com. Davey, after a game like this, I mean, what do you say to the team? How do you address it with the team? Nothing. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Right now, everybody's frustrated. It's, it's frustrating, you know? But we got to come back and be ready to play tomorrow. And, Davey, just because we only see it as sort of like a crazy situation, um, the judgment call, is that by the home plate umpire or the first place umpire, to your knowledge? That's usually the home, home plate umpire. Thank you. And Mark Zuckerman. And and just to be sure, is your understanding that even if he's inside the baseline, if the ball hits him once he's already reached the base, that they can say no interference? My understanding is that he can go to the first the first base umpire and they could talk about it. First base umpire can say, yeah, he was he was on the base right and the ball hit him. And that they can rule it something else. They never do that. You know, they see it for what it is, and it's for them as clear as day, it, it's a done deal. So that if, if the ball he hits him, yeah, if the ball hits him out, you know, if the ball hits him before he gets on the base and he's out of the baseline, of course, you know, um, he's out. But come on, 
You know, I mean, like I said, it's a, yeah, the second part of that ruling is a judgment. Judge, <laughs> right? One umpire's got to one umpire's got to say, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to reward a, a, a catcher for making a bad throw." A lot to unpack right there, of course. I mean, it's a four-minute-and-a-half uh, little segment right there from Dave Martinez. Clearly frustrated, obviously, so mad, really. Um, I, I guess let's start with the, the idea of what is Josh Bell supposed to do. I want to talk a lot about the umpires in a little bit because I think mm-hmm. a lot has to be done on that, on that sense. We can discuss, like, the ruling and the judgment and whether or not that should be fixed, but I really want to get into the umpires in a little bit. But let's just talk about the actual play. I, I like, agree with Davey. Like, if, if you don't want him running right there, Put her back. Like let's let's just make it like softball. Make first base two bags. One's in the foul line. One's in fair bay in fair territory, and that just completely eliminates that rule. Right, and well, everything's just amplified too because it the throw's coming from the catcher. Yeah, you know, if it was any other double play, it'd be a completely different situation yeah. here. Uh, that was just kind of the nature of the play, but. Yeah, I totally get it. If he gets hit when he's out of the out of the baseline, it's completely understandable. But he's on first base, and you can totally just understand Davey Martinez's frustration there. Yeah, and so, like, to your point of it, it's not a, a routine double play. So, like, if it were, say, like, a 4-6-3 double play, mm-hmm. you have someone running from first base to second base, that runner knows where the ball is, and as soon as he's out at Typically, you see, as soon as he's out of second base and he can no longer advance to second base, he gets out of the way. He either gets down or slides out of the base path, right. allows... You know where the throw is going. Allows the yeah. defender to make give him room to make the throw mm-hmm. to first base. Josh Bell's running away from the ball. What he's, is he supposed to run with his Turn back around. turned? Yeah, and, right. and, and make sure that he doesn't get in the way. And, just- and also... Not, He's still in play. He's not out yet. So he is still trying to reach his destination and, and get there did. first. And he beat the throw <laughs> there. So in in my mind, and I, I tweeted a screen grab of it, oh, like yeah, Josh Bell's foot on the bag. The ball is still two feet behind him. Yeah. Even if the ball, even if you move the ball over to where the first baseman's glove was or should have been, mm-hmm. if it's a good throw, Josh Bell still beats it. So I don't understand. Like, as soon as he touches the ba- the bag, and as long as the throw isn't right there, and he is clearly not letting the the, the first baseman grab the ball, he's safe at that point. That, that the play is over, and he should be well, safe. Well, and yeah, it doesn't matter where he was running either. Like on the baseline, when he touches first, that's how how he's gonna touch first. It's yeah. over. And so they're he saying he beat the throw there. Right, Play's he beat dead. the throw. Done. So to say that he enabled the first baseman's ability to stretch to get the ball that has nothing to do with where he was running down the line you're rewarding a bad throw so what if the throw's even worse what if the throw if you're looking down the first baseline what if the throw is two feet even more to the right is josh bell supposed to then veer back to in the field of play so the first baseman can then reach across the the first place right so i mean it's and like everyone's been saying you're you're uh, rewarding a bad throw and, you know, now if they're not going to change this rule, if I am a baseball coach, I'm telling my catcher every single time in that situation, throw, throw out the runner's back because they're going to call it every single time. If you throw out the runner's back and make the, the first baseman have to go through him to catch the ball, they're going to call it interference every single time. That's what I would do. And until that rule is changed, 
That's what I, I mean, and, and, and you're, then you're just, I mean, not to hurt anyone, right, obviously, right. but you're just saying like, that is the loophole of that rule. That's an right. automatic out by throwing at the runner instead of trying to throw to the glove. Right. And so that is, that's, that's, it's just very frustrating. Again, like I've said, it's, it feels like it's only happening to the nationals. That's, that's frustrating. Say, I don't see this. I don't see it other than in the times I've seen it in the nationals games. And I'm it's, sure it's happened, but yeah, I just haven't seen it. And if it's something the nationals need to fix, like I, I, I really doubt that Davey Martinez and his coaching staff are teaching his players to run in the field of play. That's that's almost like the complete opposite of baseball one-on-one. You tell them to right. run out for an instance just like this. The but whole the point is, is that if you're is, running out of if you're running in foul territory and you get hit by the ball, you're not out. That's the whole point of teaching players to exactly. run out exactly. in the foul line. So I can't imagine they're teaching them to run, to in run the into play. the field of play. But the thing is, is even if he was running right down the running lane, I think it, the, the issue of him getting hit on the bag was still going to be an issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's where he crosses the, the bag. Yeah. So, so I don't even understand what that has to do with it. So is Josh Bell getting punished for not being fast enough to, to get there where it wouldn't have been? A, like, I, right, you know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. had nothing to do. He's still going to hit first base where he hits first base. Yeah. He corrected it at the end. Yeah. And so that, that brings you back to the point of, like, if you move the bag in foul territory, then you're – the runner's aiming for another place, right. and that eliminates this need right. for this rule. So anyway, so we got over that. We can you debate don't that. run in the field of play, then right. it's not an issue, but it shouldn't have still been right. an issue. Right, so um, that concludes the, the, the part of the conversation of talking about the rule. We'll have many conversations. Uh, Davey obviously made it clear that he wants it changed. I think we want it changed because, um, like, like we said, it, it, it rewards a bad throw right. for the catcher. But let's talk about how the umpires handle this entire situation. Davey's point right there is that they want it to be reviewed. Well, it's a judgment call. Okay, so we, we actually want to be reviewed the play at the plate. Because I actually, watching it live, I thought that he had either missed the plate with his foot or picked it up early before he caught it. They never actually showed the replay because, we, you know, Masson has to take the Marlins feed, so they right. may not have shown that replay that close. Um, I, the idea that the Nationals couldn't challenge it because their 20-second window was up because they were arguing something else that the umpires were dragging right. along. Like, it, it was the umpire's fault that the Nationals ran out of time. Right, and in that situation, you say, hey, okay, you yeah. know, this qualifies for a review now because what's, like, what's he supposed to say? Um, I want to challenge the play. I wanted you to review the play yeah. at the plate. But anyway, let me... Uh, that happens know, all like, the time, I feel like. And on all sports, like, we want this play to be under review. Okay, well, this part of the play isn't reviewable. Okay, but we still want this part then reviewed. Right. That happens all the time, I feel, especially in baseball. It's like, what, I can't think off the top of my head, but like, all right, but there's other parts of this play that we want reviewed that could change the outcome of the play. So you want right. that. And the other thing is, like, it being a judgment call, not being reviewable... To me, that's ridiculous to me because judgment call that umpire in first base is making a split second decision. It's, yeah, you're basically telling him, "All right, flip a coin in your head and pick whatever you think is best." In my mind, that if it's a if it's judgment call, it should be okay. Make your call on the field, and then we can go to the video, and then without without clear cut evidence, we we won't change it unless we see something proving the complete opposite. Right, but and and I almost would say that covers their butt even more, Yeah, you know, in that situation with a judgment call, you know, you do look at it and, you know, if there's clear evidence to change the ruling, then it makes sense. I think that would cover their 
but even more yeah. than to just say, no, this is it. It's not reviewable. But that's what you see, like, in the NFL, like, refs are much better now at letting, like, plays go on and, and not blowing the whistle too quickly mm-hmm. because they can always go back and look at it at review and, and call it dead. Like, why not? That's It's kind of what happened in the World Series, honestly. They, they let the play go on because, remember, Trey Turner ended up at second on that uh, play. Yeah. And then they went back and looked at it and then called him out. Yeah. So why make that call initially right at the beginning yeah. and then not have it reviewable? Let let the whole thing play out. And then if you go back and call it interference, I disagree, but at least you did it justice by taking a replay right. look at it. And then that but, whole conversation between Davey and Tim Bogar and the umpires about that not being reviewable then didn't allow them to review the home plate call. Right. Which is ridiculous. Which is silly because it's all the same play. Right. You know, like I get it's two different calls, but it's all in the same play. Yes, that was kind of my earlier point. Yeah, you know, and Davey Martinez is going to argue that play at first base yeah. or that call at first base. He's not going to – he shouldn't have to think, oh, wait, le- I have to ask in 20 seconds to review this call at home uh, before I argue about this. That's just silly. It's all in the same play. They should have at least reviewed the call at home. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of had the same thing at the end of the game. And then I was going to say, and then in the next frame, the bottom of the inning, Sam Clay throws a ball in the dirt. Now I'll say this. They did get a replay of that. They being the TV broadcast. And to me, it looked like the ball did hit the dirt first. So it was a wild pitch and they would have won anyways. But it's the principle of the idea that the ball's in the dirt. They scored. The national said, hold on. We want to look at it. And the umpires were already off the field. They were just like, so was we're done. I, I, was it within the 20-second window? Because Davey Martinez is saying, oh, it was 30 seconds and the umpires are already off the field. Oh. The umpires, of course, then justified it by saying, oh, no, it had been like 60 seconds. I think they the immediately asked. I mean, it was literally, I think the entire process took 30 seconds before the umpires were off the field. So I think the Nationals immediately were like, hold on, we want to see if it hit them. And the umpires were just like, no. I mean, not literally, but they basically gave yeah. the Nationals a huge figurative middle finger and walked off and it's like that that the call would have stood but it's just the disrespect right. to Davey to Tim Bogar to the entire Nationals organization that we are not even going to bother to to grant you that and we're, right. we're and done I, and I get the the that there's a time limit that you have to do that within you know I totally understand we already have this issue where baseball's taking forever yeah. and yada yada but, but and, it's a game ending play though it is a game and a major play. league baseball game and if you're this coaching staff, you take the game. I mean, yeah, heck yeah, review the play. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. You never know. And if you think there's a chance that he was hit, of course you're going to do that. Um, yeah, I don't understand that. And then you totally get Davey Martinez's frustration saying, you know, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. You know, if you want the game to be over, go home. You know, th- th- that's just. Yeah. That was kind of my, my next point. It's was like, you know, we have talked about a lot on this podcast I've mentioned, I wrote an article on MassInSports.com about it. Like, really appreciate both as someone in the media covering this team and a fan when I'm not working, how much this team has fought and battled and tried every single game. Yes, this season has not gone according to plan. Yes, they're losing a lot of games. Yes, they're eliminated from the postseason, and it's frustrating to watch sometimes. But they're at least giving you 100% effort every single time. You can't say that about all Major League Baseball clubs right now, especially those at the bottom of the standings. The Nationals are fighting every single time, and that's a tribute to David Martinez and his coaching staff and the character of the players on this team. I'm, I'm glad that they're still 
playing to win Mm -hmm. because the umpires clearly have checked out. Yeah, I was. The umpires are booking their tee times. They are looking for (laughs) nice reservations. They're already looking forward to their offseason. They saw two teams with losing (laughs) records and were like, nope, we're out. Game over. Yeah. We're already playing 10 innings. That's way more than we wanted to play anyways. We're gone. That is so disrespectful and screwed up. That's, yeah. that is, I need an explanation from Major League Baseball, from the Umpires Association, whatever it may be. I Maybe not an explanation, an apology at least for how yeah, that was handled. Yeah, because I think they gave what they would consider their explanation. Okay, it, that's at fine. Least. So we, can do, we can talk about how we disagree with the explanation, but the way that that was handled was so unprofessional, so disrespectful to the Nationals. It's hard. It's it, it makes my blood boil, and I would. We saw Davey Martinez's reaction. I would have hated to been in the general manager suite and see how Mike Rizzo reacted to that. Well, and that, to your point, I mean, I think you make a really good point. Is that you know Davey Martinez is a gamer, even when he has a cast on his foot. He's, yeah. You know, in there, he wants to win, um, and, and this is a team that is losing, and you know they they're still fighting, just like you said, and to to see them. I mean, they would have lost that game either yeah, way. True, but you know, to see it have to be that way when at least they're you know they're fighting, they're in it, they want a chance. It is frustrating, and I I do get that. I think that's a good point. It's the principle of a thing. Right. Like they uh, they as a major league as a contending baseball team playing a major league any team, you could be softball. You like in the rec league, you they deserve that. They have the right to request and make that request, and not granting it is a disturb is is. I don't want to say against the rules, well, but maybe is. against the rules, and is a disservice to them, and is a bad look for the league. Well, even if they're losing, even if they they would have ended up losing, that's fine. That's not the point. The point is that the umpires completely just had no respect for Davey Martinez's and Tim Bogar's request, and they just walked off. And I think partially because of what happened in the top of the inning. Well, and imagine if this was a different game with the team making a playoff push. I wonder if that would have been different if they would have granted them that review. Great a, question. Or B, if they didn't, can you imagine the push? back i mean this game it's like eh, okay doesn't really matter in the end um but if it's you know a team that's competing or making a playoff push this could have really mattered and been a really bad look you just wonder if it would have been the same or if it's like yeah these are two teams that are terrible right now and eh, who cares 10 innings already talking about players that cared and like i've never and, and fp and bob mentioned this on the broadcast too i've never seen ryan zimmerman that upset yeah. that is the most straightforward, relaxed, like you can never tell if he's happy or sad. He on the look on his, his mouth face. shut most of the time. I don't think he was very close to being injected. I can't remember the last time, if ever, Ryan Zimmerman has been injected from a game. And I, he was livid. He oh, was yeah. so mad, um, which was great to see. I mean, he's, of course, you know, the unofficial captain of the team, the long-term veteran face of the franchise. You know, he's sticking up for his younger guys. Uh, Josh Paul's not the younger, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> and, and his teammates – and he was getting into it with that. He was very close to being oh, ejected. Yeah. Um, so that was, I mean, the Nationals, I guess all of that to say is the Nationals have some fight left in them. They want to win games. They want to be here. And the umpires don't. Right. That's, 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 it. that's the, the, right. Whole, the whole gist. And of it. I think you have all of that, which is justifiably frustrating. But then you just throw in, you know, Luis Garcia, we'll get to that. Yeah. Not scoring. You, you're already frustrated. Then yeah. to lose on a wild pitch, yeah. that's frustrating. You know, Josh Bell running the runner. You know, it's just all those things. If you play a little bit tighter, a little bit cleaner baseball, you wouldn't be in that position. And I think you throw in that frustration into it, yeah. uh, it makes it all the more worse. We don't like like to blame umpires on this podcast. We're not like, I don't think you and I are in that no, kind of really camp. we don't ever usually. No, I mean, it's just, I, I think we both understand that they're human. It's a tough job. And, and like we said, we kind of agree that the calls probably would have stand. 
we we disagree with the play at first base, but mm-hmm. the ball in the dirt would have stood, and that's the game. And that's fine. It's just the way that they that umpiring crew handled the whole situation and treated the Nationals, who were rightfully upset and who rightfully wanted an explanation and didn't get it until after the game from a pool reporter in Miami. And it's way too late <laughs> when it didn't even matter. It's just that's 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 what I, where I really get. Uh, Upset about it and yeah. frustrated and angry, honestly. But um, let's move before we get. I mean, because that that was the first like, thirty minutes of the pod. Let's get move <laughs> on to quickly the Luis Garcia blunder yeah. because you didn't mention it. So before all of that, top of the tenth inning, you get the automatic runner, which I'm not quite sure why it was Luis Garcia and then Lane Thomas was batting because I don't know what happened to the pitcher spot right there. I was kind of confused about that. Maybe I didn't. I missed that explanation. But Lane Thomas hits a deep ball to the corner right field. Um, Luis Garcia, if you're watching right now, you can see he kind of goes a quarter of the way and then retreats back to second base. And by the time the ball hits the wall, he only gets to third base. Now, if he had gone like halfway between second and third, he probably would have scored. You're seeing Josh Bell kind of coach him up in the in the dugout after after the play. That is a tough base running error to make in that stage of the game. That's something that he'll probably learn. Um, but, you know, you just wonder, had he scored on that play, maybe everything that happened later in the inning and in the bottom of the inning wouldn't have mattered. Right. And that's what kind of hurts so much about it. I just don't – I don't know what he was doing. Like, it's like when you see it – w- it was at the wall. The ball was at the wall. Yeah. You know, well, it went over the – I mean, I get it. You, you want to be safe, and you definitely don't want to get thrown out yeah. at second, you know, not tagging up. But it's just like when you see it go over the outfielder's head – Kind of like, all right, buddy, come on! <laughs> like, this is extra innings. You're the you're the runner at second. Um, you have to score on a double, especially Luis Garcia's quick. You know, yeah, he, he would have scored. He would scored. He would have definitely scored. So it's it's high. It's amplified because it was in the tenth inning. He was the automatic runner. They needed that run. Um, but I guess. Thankfully for Luis Garcia, so much happened after that. It kind of got pushed under the rug a little. Yeah, bit. Um, yeah, but I mean. You're coached in situation. You see the outfielder go the go away from you. You can start going towards third base, right. and then you'll go about halfway, maybe three quarters, and you'll be able to tell if he's going to catch the ball. Then you can head back, mm-hmm. and if he's not, then you're going to score easily. It's almost just to play devil's advocate. Almost kind of a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Because what if Luis Garcia goes more than halfway and then that guy ends up making the catch, right. just, and then he has to go back to he doesn't get the tag up to go to third. Right. And there's only one out, and now he's only 90 feet away, but he's stuck at second. Right. And then he goes back to tag up, but then the ball's not caught, and then he doesn't score. So it's like, it is very tough. It's one of the situations where we have, I think there's a point where when you watch the replay, you can see the outfielder, like a second or two before the ball hits the wall, isn't going to catch it. And that's when you need to make the decision to go. Right. Um, and that that's probably tough in the moment while like on the field, but... Because he's tracking it, tracking it, tracking it. You can probably tell he's either going to make a spectacular catch at, at the wall or he's probably going to miss it, which he ended up doing. So I think if that's he, where he needs to make that mm-hmm. call. Yeah, it was deep enough. I think he yeah. still could have gotten gotten back. It's just, yeah, you go a third of the way or halfway, you're still going to be good either way. He, he just ha- I mean, as a major league base runner, you just have to have a better read on balls yeah, like that. It's true. And, you know, that's uh, good. the good thing is that's kind of coachable and something he can practice and hopefully not make that costly mistake again. Um, it's not something that is 
you know, necessarily skill or it's going to yeah. be really hard to fix. That should be be an easy fix. He just has to be able to get a better read on balls like that. And he's young. Not that that's really an excuse, but that is kind of better news than somebody else making that mistake. Yeah, it was cool seeing Josh Bell kind of coach him up in the dugout afterwards, being like, hey, here, here's what you do next time. Um, but, yeah, it's Tough, tough mistake to make, but it's going to happen. And uh, hopefully next time I won't. Mm-hmm. And he'll learn from that. Also, Marlins Park or Lone Depot Park, whatever it's called now, tough place to make a read on a fly ball like that indoors. So True, that's a good point, it's, too. We yeah. saw a couple outfielders make some mistakes out there uh, over the course of the years uh, in that, in that yeah, same. So not the easiest place to read, but still doesn't absolve him of mm-hmm. making that, of that blunder. All right, enough of last night's game. Two more games in Miami with the same umpire and crew. I'm sure that'll be fun mm-hmm. over the next two nights. Davey Martinez um, should be on, on behavior, I'm yeah. sure. Well, I, he might not be, and I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> um, but let's move on to the grand scheme of things, uh, a, a bigger picture in the National League, the batting title race. Juan Soto, of course, chasing his second straight batting crown in the National League after his historic season last year. Him, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, now at the top of the list. Actually, Nick Castellanos actually just jumped Harper last night after Harper struggled against uh, John Means and the Orioles pitching staff. Uh, Trey Turner leads the league with a 316 average. Soto's right behind him at 315. Harper fell to 311. He was at 313. And now Castellanos is at 313 um, for the top four in the National League. Uh, This is exciting. I mean, it's something fun to track. You know, like I said, the season hasn't gone According to plan, they're not going to make the postseason. Second time in a row. Only the first time that they're going to miss postseasons in back-to-back years since 2010, 2011. Um, But you've got one of the best players in baseball, and he is chasing a second straight batting title, and that is... That is going to be fun to watch, and against two familiar faces. Right, and this makes these last few games really important and uh, exciting to watch for sure. Last night, Juan Soto getting on base four times in the game, the 22nd time he's done that this season. Uh, And it's kind of crazy that all three of these guys really in Trey Turner – Bryce Harper and Juan Soto kind of going for this batting title down the stretch have these Washington connections and we're all there in 2018. You mentioned the four times on base. I believe Juan Soto is only six games of getting on base four times or more um, behind, I think it's Mel Ott, um, for the most such games before turning 23 or 24. However old Juan Soto is, and I think I mean with only twelve games to play, that's very much in play. I feel like Juan Soto has done For that sure. already three or four times within the past week, um, and I, I we'll get into some of the the pitching numbers against his opponents coming up. Um, but so that's that's another thing to keep track of. Juan Soto just putting up ridiculous numbers, making some historic strides uh, at such a young age. Um, but back to the batting title race, I think it's super interesting that. These three guys are getting on base in different ways and increasing mm-hmm. their batting average in different w- ways. I, I got to give credit also again to FP Santangelo for pointing this out on the broadcast last night. Um, he said that Trey Turner won't walk his way to a batting title, but he has the benefit of infield singles, basically meaning that you know Juan Soto, like he did last night, can go something like one for two with two or three walks in a game, right. and those plate appearances that turn into walks don't affect his batting average. Uh, Bryce Harper walks at a higher rate than Trey Turner does too. Um, but going to looking at the three of them, you know, Soto can use his walks. So he limits his at-bats that count uh, against his batting average. Um, and then he, when he does get at-bats, he's hitting more often than not. 
Um, Trey Turner has that speed. He can use uh, he, he, he can beat out infield singles or bunt singles. Pretty much anything that's not hit directly at a defender, Trey Turner has the speed to make it a, make it close and, and beat the throw and get on base. And then Bryce Harper has his power. I mean, he has power all right. to all fields. Uh, he hits extra base hits and home runs. He basically, if he puts the bat on the ball um, and, again, doesn't go directly at a defender, he has a chance at that hitting grass um, and getting on base. Yeah, well, you mentioned that power and those extra base hits. When you were looking at this, what was so crazy to see, obviously we know how often Juan Soto walks 127 times mm. the next closest is Bryce Harper with 89 walks so that that's really not even close that's obviously how Juan Soto gets on the base the majority of the time now Bryce Harper is slugging almost 100 points higher yeah. than Juan Soto is and when you look at it Bryce Harper does have that power but he also has 20 more doubles than yeah. Juan Soto does Juan Soto doesn't even have 20 doubles uh, and Harper leads the league with 72 extra base hits so that's kind of interesting probably why he's slugging so much higher then Juan Soto, but why isn't Juan Soto hitting doubles? I didn't really That's, look at this until I was looking at these numbers today or even noticed that. Because he's hitting so many double plays. That is true. And yeah. a lot of, it seems like he has like a lot of hard hit singles too. Yeah, yeah. a couple hard hit singles. I, I think it also goes to the fact that he is walking so much. I mean, it, it just, which is not a bad thing. And, you know, I had someone tweet me last night, a, a Philly fan, because I was, I was just doing an up-to-the-minute update of the batting title race between Soto and Harper, Trey Turner and the Dodgers were off on Monday night. And, you know, Juan was one for two with with two walks, and Bryce was 0 for two with two strikeouts and a walk against uh, John Means. And someone tweeted that Bryce Harper has a higher slugging percentage, more home runs, and a higher OPS. All Juan Soto does is walk a lot. Well, that first part is true. That second part is incorrect. That's just not true. We just talked about how Juan Soto has more hits than Bryce Harper. He has more walks, more RBIs, a higher average. Uh, he has more triples. It's one by one, but it's still more. Um, so to say that all Juan Soto does is walk, though, is incorrect. That's not a. That's not a. If uh, all Juan Soto did was walk, he w we wouldn't talk about Juan Soto. Yeah. He wouldn't be Juan Soto. Yeah, I mean his bat. His his he wouldn't be in the batting title race. Right. His, on base percentage would be through the roof, but he wouldn't be if he's walking, but he's also hitting. So that was just that's just it's it's not correct to say that Juan Soto only walks. He does a lot more than that. Um, but it is fun to track their, their kind of back and forth and how these guys have differed and good on getting on base and increasing their average. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And Trey Turner obviously has the speed, like you mentioned, that these other two don't. It's just they yeah, they all get in get on in different ways is kind of hard to believe. And also, I guess Juan Soto, Bryce Harper has had a really big second half. His yeah, first they all, half they wasn't, all have. wasn't as good, but Juan Soto had a particularly slow first half. Mm. He didn't have a lot of extra base hits, obviously a lot of those these home runs coming in the second half. So that's also probably a, a part of having less extra base hits, less doubles, uh, because most of those have come in the second half that have come at all. Yeah, Juan Soto hit 283 in the season's first half. He is now hitting 359 in the second half. All three of these guys have had really strong second halves. Um, since the All-Star break, like I mentioned, 359 for Soto. 69 walks to just 31 strikeouts in 60 games. So he is walking. Half. He's walking more than a game. Two times One time much. per game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and is walking more than double the times he's striking out. Um, interesting kind of splits here, too. And when you look at the schedule, Soto hits better on the road than he does at home. It's 329 at, on the road, 301 at home, and they only have three more home games remaining. The rest of their games are on the road, so that could benefit 
uh, Soto. Uh, and go to Trey Turner. Uh, he hit 322 in 96 games with the Nationals. He's hitting 302 in 40 games with the Dodgers, so still above 300, hitting pretty well with L.A. He's hitting mostly uh, leadoff or second with the Dodgers when he first got there, but since then he's been bumped down to th- third in the lineup more often than not, and I think that's helping him. He's getting pitches to hit because you would think that there are guys – he got moved down because guys are getting on base, and he – Dave Roberts wants him hitting with guys in scoring position. So he should be getting continue to get pitches to hit. Of course, the Dodgers have sealed their playoff spot, but they're still in uh, battle for the uh, National League West crown against the Giants. So they're going to still be trying to, 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 to win games. Um, his splits are a little different. He hits way better at home. I know the trade kind of throws this off, but he hits 325 at home games against uh, 309 on the road. Mm-hmm. And um, they have two more road series, and then they finish at home, the Dodgers do. So that could benefit him a little bit. And then you get to Harper. Since the All-Star break, 347 in 61 games. That was, actually was above 350 before last night against the Orioles. Um, he's hitting mostly third, um, sometimes been hitting fourth. Um Again, with guys on base, he's getting pitches to hit. He still walks at a pretty decent rate, like we saw when he did with the Nationals. Um, and then he also hits way better at home than on the road, 327 to 396. And they've got two more series at home before they finish out on the road. So a couple of factors playing yeah. in there, how this is going to shake out. Uh, I got some numbers on the pitching staff, but we if we get to that, I'll, 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 I'll mention those. But... Yeah, you mentioned strong second half for all three of these guys. Juan Soto, I mean, excuse me, Trey Turner, of course, is on the best team. Um, And then Juan Soto and and, and Bryce Harper are carrying their respective teams themselves. Do you think since, you know, the average is really so close, slugging percentage is really where Bryce Harper is so far ahead, do you think Juan Soto is kind of at a – um, a disadvantage down the stretch if they're not pitching to him as much. Well, that's where Josh Bell com- comes into factor. I a mean, big factor. He's getting pitched to because Josh Bell's been hitting so well since what is it mm-hmm. May thirteenth? He's turned the season around. Um, you know, if, if it'll be interesting to see if how the rest of the Phillies lineup does and if Bryce Harper stops it's, stops seeing pitches to hit. I mean, they're still fighting for a playoff spot. I think they're like two and a half games back from the Braves. Um, and maybe a couple games out of the last wild card spot in the National League. Um, that makes a difference. But too. if the rest of their lineup doesn't, some, for some reason, goes quiet and Bryce has nothing to hit, that'll affect him. Um, you know, he faced a tough lefty last night in John Means. That obviously did not go so well for him. Juan Soto hits lefties really well. Bryce Harper, maybe not so well. Um, so, I, to answer your question, it, it, it that's that's almost a factor out of their control. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. So it's absolutely. Josh out of their Bell control. is yeah. helping Juan Soto right mm-hmm. now. Does you know who hits behind JT Romuto? I don't know who hits behind Harper, but do they help him out in terms of getting right. him pitched? Because if it's just Harper, basically everyone's saying Harper is carrying the Phillies to the postseason. If it's just Harper hitting, he might not. And and they play. Um, they play the Orioles, they play the Pirates, both teams that are out, and then they go on the road to the Braves, a team that mm-hmm. is they're trying to hold off, and then they finish at the Marlins. The Braves could possibly uh, may just want to avoid Harper altogether. Right, so the guys that are hitting around you and your schedule, two things that are completely out of their control, uh, but could be a big factor in this. And what's so exciting about this is it's kind of, we were talking about the MVP MVP race down this last stretch, that's kind of not quantifiable. You can't really tell as much. You mentioned Bryce Harper's carrying the Phillies yeah. possibly I- into the postseason, but 
this it's more like you can watch the numbers yeah. change every day you can see actually what they're doing and how it's all going to pan out i think it's kind of almost a little bit more exciting and means a little bit more because you know mvp is not really the mvp this is kind of like yeah y- you are the best hitter in the league yeah that's super interesting because I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. We have actual data in front of us. Like you, you can see the result happen in front of you. Like MVP, that's voting. That is how the writers view themselves. Right. That's basically pop, not a popularity vote, but like an opinion based vote. So that's, I mean, numbers help, but you know, it comes down to who that individual writer thinks is the best. This is stats, numbers, figures. We have data points right here that we can point to and we'll see it, <clears throat> excuse me, play out in front of us uh, as the season ends. <clears throat> Just to touch on the pitching staffs that yeah. these guys are going to face. So Juan Soto is facing at Miami, at Cincinnati, at Colorado, at Boston. Um, against the Marlins, he's hitting 340 this season. So that's pretty good. He's hitting th- He hit 333 in three games against the Reds earlier this season. Uh, against the Rockies, they just played. He, went, he hit 333 and walked four times. And then against the Red Sox, he hits 261 in six career games. Um, of course, that's different pitching staffs, but we'll see it. He's pitching at hitting at home. That's number he doesn't hit as well on the road. So the Red Sox series could be interesting to see how he's attacked, especially if, is Chris Sale still pitching, right? He, I know he made his debut or he returned a couple weeks ago. So if Chris Sale gets one of those starts, and the Red Sox are looking to get back in the playoffs. That's uh, that's that's going to be interesting. And then Trey Turner mm-hmm. against the Rockies, of course, that's in Colorado, somewhere where he's hit for the cycle before. So we know he likes hitting in that ballpark. Uh, the D-backs, he has crushed this season, 436 in 10 games. Against the Padres and the Brewers, though, not so much success. The Padres have one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball. He only hits 222 against them versus 259 against San Diego. And then Bryce Harper. Hits the O's really well in his career, obviously. So he's got two more games against them this week. We'll see how he, he pans out. But against the Pirates, he's hitting 444 in three games this season. And then at the Braves, 228 in 16 games this season. So the Braves pitching staff kind of holding him down. And like we mentioned, if they're fighting for a playoff spot, and I can, I can see the Braves say someone else other than Bryce Harper beat us. So right. he might not even get that many pitches to hit. And then he only hits 244 against the Marlins, so which, which is – Okay, not good, not great. Yeah, it's kind it's, of it's, it's fine, but only 11 games, so he'll have uh, another chance to face the Marlins later. Yeah, and sometimes season. with these guys, you know, they're the, the best hitters. They're going to hit good pitching. It's just some of these teams just kind of have their number. You yeah. know, it might kind of be a weird thing. So if they see one of those matchups down the stretch, they might have the disadvantage compared to these other two, like some of those matchups you just mentioned. Which is kind of funny because I mentioned the 244 and 11 games against the Marlins this season. Bryce Harper had the Marlins number when he was with the Nationals. I mean, he oh, would yeah, destroy right. the Marlins any time that they played the Fish um, when he was with the Nationals for, for for all those years. So that's kind of interesting that he kind of struggles right now. This is a different Marlins pitching staff. They're ninth in ERA, 13th in whip, and 13th in average in all of baseball. So they're in the top half of those uh, average against uh, of those statistical categories in all of baseball. So it's a different Marlins pitching staff. They have some good lefties on that staff too, so that might be keeping him um, at True. bay. Would you, do you have a guess? Do you, if you, if I'm if betting Amy Jennings is here right now, is she have a guess or a bet that who will pull away and, and win this thing? I'm going to say Juan Soto. I would like to say Juan Soto too. It's, it's going to come, but it's going to come down to Bryce Harper and Juan Soto. You think so? You think Trey's going to fall off? Yeah, I think so. Why is that? I, I just think so with them. I mean, I know they're fighting for that top spot, but I think I don't know. I just think down the stretch, Bryce Harper has more to play for right now. Trey Turner plays against a 
not great Rockies team, a terrible Diamondbacks team, and a Padres team that's falling apart before they play the Brewers, which one of the, with one of the best staffs. And they've already locked their playoff spot. So they could be like locked that's, into either their top uh the top wild card or the National League West champion by the time they face the Brewers. And the Brewers have also locked their playoff spot, right? And winning the Central. Mm-hmm. So that that series might not mean anything for both of those teams and you might see Trey Turner get some rest. Right. So but before then he has got to play bad pitching staffs. At least in the Rockies and the Diamondbacks where he could you could eat him alive. So you think Trey Turner is going to win it? I, I don't know. It's, it's a, I'm just I'm just kind of pointing out mm-hmm. to your fact. I, I don't I would buy into the fact that Trey Turner is rested, is getting rested more and not playing as much near the end of the season than either Juan Soto or Bryce Harper. Yeah. Because well, they also have a postseason to play for. I could see the right. Phillies being eliminated and we know the Nationals already are before the last two series of the season and so there won't be any point in resting Bryce and Soto and they'll keep hitting. Right. And then they'll also f- be facing teams that don't have anything else to play for, except maybe the Red Sox in the Nationals case. Um, you know, because Juan Soto is going to play every day the rest of the way. Right. There's no need. There's no point in resting. Bryce Harper is too. So Bryce Harper, right? Um, but I'm saying like, Trey, if there's a factor that's gonna, yeah, right. Trey, Trey Turner, I think, will sit. Is more likely to sit out of the three of them right. over the last handful of games because their position in the postseason will already be locked up, and Dave Roberts is going to rest him and make sure that he's ready to go for October. And you'd almost be excited to see Trey win it because Got he him. kind of, you know. Because that would be like half, really, halfway with the, with the Nationals. Right, and yeah. he was really in the race for a lot of it last year. Yeah, I mean, didn't him and Soto finish 1-2? And should it – did he? I, th- I thought he ended up finishing lower than that, like third or fourth or something. Mm, fourth. Fourth. 335, which is – Yeah. Shame on him. Shame on him that he couldn't beat Juan Soto's 351 average from last season. Yeah, they were like one and two down the stretch for most of it, and then he ended up falling off a little bit. So you almost be excited. Um, I think now at this point, well, you can't definitely say, but I think Bryce Harper's most likely going to win MVP. Mm-hmm. So you're giving – I'll join you. I think I'll give Harper the MVP and I'll also give Soto the batting title. For if he, the, for if Soto won back-to-back batting, batting titles, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I actually just saw like MLB.com had an article today of like updated um, like power rankings for MVP or, or odds or whatever, and it was Harper 1, Tatis Jr. 2, and Soto 3, and they basically said, you know, don't count out Soto because he, if he finishes the season strong and he carries his Nationals team, they're like Harper's doing, it could come down to either one of those te- teams, especially if the Padres completely fall off the face of the earth. That's true. That's a good point. And then it's like, well, yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Because you win the batting title, and then it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I guess it ends up what the, what the Phillies would end up doing then, how mm-hmm. they finish the season, and then. He's really valuable. Yeah. Well, uh, so for the batting title, I'll go. I'm, I'm going Soto because I think the opponents he, he faces, the way he approaches the play, his command of the strike zone, he's already got, what, a, he's, he has a four-point lead over Bryce I think he'll maintain that and eventually be the batting title champion. I think at some point we'll see Trey Turner get rested and he won't have as many at-bats and Bryce or uh, Juan will, will catapult him and he won't have as many opportunities to catch up. And I think Bryce, he's obviously hitting for average very well, but his bread and butter is more so going to be like the slugging. Um, and if he's if he's not drawing as many walks and he, you know, if he goes one 
for four with a home run, good for you. Good for the MVP race, but not so good for the batting race. Right, because he's not drawing walks the right. way Juan Soto is. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's a pretty fair assessment, Bobby. All I right. think I, I, that's how I would go. I think it's going to be close down the stretch between Soto and Harper, yeah. but I think Soto will win it. I hope so, too. Uh, that'd be fun to watch, and that's just another thing for Nationals fans to kind of celebrate in kind of a lost season and, and look forward to right. next year, knowing that you have one of the best players in all of baseball. All right, real quick before we get out of here, um, I mentioned at the top of the show, Alex Avila announced his retirement over the weekend. 13 MLB seasons, played with the Tigers, the White Sox, the Cubs, the D-backs, the Twins, and this year with the Nationals. Um, over 1,000 regular season games. He's an all-star and silver slugger in 2011 with the Tigers. He played in six straight postseasons in 36 games, making th- three straight ALCSs and, of course, the 2012 World Series with the Tigers. He mentioned to reporters when he spoke, I believe it was on Sunday, um, that his biggest regret in the game is not winning that World Series with that Tigers team. Um, so he will not have a World Series ring, but still a very good season. Um, not as great uh, on the field this year with the Nationals, but what he meant off the field of this team probably you could never measure. Right, and you know, he was on a lot of good Tigers teams, and you wanted him to kind of come to the Nationals and have this reunion with Max Scherzer yeah. and then be able to, you know, win and, you know, make a postseason push. But, of course, it ended up the way it ended up. But, I mean, nonetheless, he's... He's been a really important influence on these young catchers because really he came up and was kind of pushed onto the scene right away and never really got sent back down other than when he was injured or made those rehab starts. Uh, He didn't get sent back down to the minors, and I think that's why he's such an important influence over these young catchers because that's kind of the the situation that Kiba Ruiz is being put in with the Nationals right now. You know, He's up, he's learning these new uh, pitching staffs, He's their everyday catcher, and it, it's important to have Alex Avila there to kind of mentor and coach and guide him. And it seems like Alex Avila uh, plans to get back in the coaching scene to, or into the coaching scene sooner rather than later, or at least you know in baseball and in, in in a higher up position. Yeah, often we see former catchers become coaches and managers um, in baseball. They just know the game so well. Uh, the way that they uh, have the perspective behind the plate and how they manage the game. So he probably has a really bright future. I don't think he got into specifics of what he would like to do. I think he says he's going to take the off season and maybe the year off, spend some time with some family, and then decide what he wants to get into. But we'll see uh, Alex Avila in a dugout sometime soon again with a coach's hat or a manager's hat on. Um, one home run, one triple, seven doubles, and seven RBIs in 29 games with the Nationals this season. Of course, he missed a lot of time with calf strains in July after making an emergency <sighs> start at second base against the Dodgers. Team player, did everything he could. Like you mentioned, how he helped uh, the young uh, catchers. Uh, I'll always remember the play he made in Philadelphia with Max Scherzer starting uh, late in the game. Man on second, he caught the runner off the base and then just ran right at him and tagged him out. Um, basically froze the runner and basically saying after the game that is just fundamental baseball. You just you just yep. go right at him, make him pick, and once he decides, if he doesn't decide, you tag him out, and once he decides, you throw the ball. Yep. Um, that was just the epitome of Alex Avila and, and the experience that he brought to this team. Great 13-year career. Um, something that he can really hold his head on high and, and play. You know, I had a really, really solid career. Right, and it's it's unfortunate that 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 injury happened when he had to fill in at second base. He yeah. would have rather it come in his true position, but he was playing out of position the first and only time he ever played second base. And of course, had those two calf strains that put him out for a long time. Got COVID, put him out even longer. Yep. Uh, that's just kind of frustrating to see. But he was, regardless, off the field, a big influence on this team. Um, and when they were down the catcher. 
that's this that's who who, who they needed and um yep. he's kind of filled that role especially as a mentor and I think he, he'll find success whether he coaches or manages or any of that a lot of time guys leave baseball and they're gone a little bit and then they come back and you see him come back they can't stay away with him he's certain that he's going to come back uh he's not going to be out of the game too long yep. 34 years old he'll be 35 in January so uh, he's got a long and bright future as a coach or manager wherever he ends up. So best of luck to you, Alex. Thank you so much uh, for your time here within D.C. And maybe we'll see you back as a coach or manager sometime soon. Or maybe that Dave Martinez one keeps you around because Davey spoke very highly of him. That's why they brought him on. Um, so uh, congrats and good luck the rest of the way in your career, whatever you pick in baseball. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you stuck with us, really appreciate you commenting along on Facebook and on YouTube. If not, hopefully you're catching us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts, you can catch the Mass and All Access podcast. We'll be back next week, next Wednesday, for the last episode of the regular season kind of wrapping up the year and previewing what's to come over the off season at amy jennings news for amy i'm at bobby underscore blanco be sure to follow at Masson nationals across the board on social media and check out the game tonight on Masson to pregame coverage starting at six in miami thanks so much for tuning in and thanks to brendan mortensen behind the scenes running the board we really appreciate him sticking around for an extra hour after he was done his episode talk to you guys next week enjoy the games 